We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to the Pat Mayo Experience, presented by DraftKings 2021 Tight End Rankings, plus a full rankings update, both with Jake Seeley, as you are listening to the audio version of this show. It's broken up a little bit differently than the video version of this show, so I'm going to try to splice it all together. I got winners on the giveaways, too, for the rating and reviews on Fantasy Football, Picks and Bets, the brand new show on Mayo Media Network. Go subscribe to that now if you didn't do it. I want to thank you all for helping support this show, getting the show launched. It's been a huge success, huge success. Many people say the best show of all time. Actually, many people say that this is the best show of all time. The fantasy football picks and bets, pretty good as well. The reason I'm hitting you up before we get into Jake is... I got winners. For the last six weeks or so, I've been telling people subscribe to Fantasy Football Picks and Bets on Apple Podcasts, a brand new show, both video and audio on Mayo Media Network. Even as you watch right now, a new show went up last night on Fantasy Football Picks and Bets. I welcome Scott Simpson to the team. He is going to be one of the new hosts of that show, along with me, along with Lauren Carpenter, along with Laquan Jones. We are building a solid crew for the show, so please go check out that show right now. It is for DraftKings Thursday night game in terms of showdown picks for that. Plus, Pete Overzet is on that episode as well, talking about his biggest takeaways from week one of the preseason. So there's a ton of awesome content up there. But I was doing this giveaway, this draw giveaway. If you could rate and review, we'll grow the prize pool. So we got enough reviews to get up to a $1,500 prize pool. So what I said I would do is give 15 people $100 cash. So I hope you have PayPal because that's how I'm sending you the money. So if you hear your name, go open a PayPal so you can get your 100 bucks. Here are... The 15 winners. We have Scott P. Young, Jester, 13K, BSR, The ATM, Happy Enchilada 2, Ortiz, Austin, Andrew Fotzer, Leaf Fan 10. I don't know how I feel about that one. I have to take you off the list, pal. Either way, you've won for right now. At Leaf Fan 10 on Twitter. At Sunday, at, sorry, at Saint Sunday, at Viva La Chubber. That's a good one. At mgarb19, at d underscore sinky, at Air McNair 99 at mystery underscore main, at Jason Apps 3, and at b bumgardner3. You are the 15 winners of the $100 giveaways, $1,500 in total. And shockingly enough, I'm going to have some more cash giveaways to go on right now. And here are a few things that you need to do. 
just so you have them in the bank for when I actually do the actual giveaway. You're going to need to be able to do all these things. One, subscribe to Mayo Media Network on YouTube. That's an easy one. Two, subscribe to the Pat Mayo Experience audio podcast. Come on now, leave a rating while you're up there as well. Five stars if you can manage it. That would be very generous of you. And if you hit the description right now in the video or podcast, then you're going to find a link to the free newsletter. You're going to want to be subscribed to that because you're going to have to if you want some more of the cash giveaways. We're probably going to be giving them out at the end of week one. So we got like three weeks to build this all up. Those are three things that you can do right off the hop to do it. If you follow me on Twitter, I'm going to have giveaways up there too, at the PME. I'll probably have some free DraftKings best ball tickets. What I'm working on right now, I'm trying to get a ton of them so i can just give them away to you guys because that would be awesome giving back to you for helping support the show uh, so i don't want to take up too much more of your time Find all of the previous shows and the rankings list in the description, including my updated list of top 150, which we'll be talking about today. And if you need all the stats, all the tools, and no one giving you picks, you need to go to runthesims.com. You want to make projections for all the players all year long? Well, that's completely free. You just have to sign up with your email, and you're in. You can make any, and you can change anyone around that you want, save it, make your own rankings list. But if you want the optimizer, the game simulations, the betting tools, that will cost you. But if you go to runthesims.com slash mayo, a link which you can find in the description as well. You're going to get a discount off the package, and it's all completely customizable tools. No one is on there telling you who to pick. They are tools so you can make your own choices. Do your own research, as they say is on the internets these days, but you can just do that with our tools, and it will spit you out lineups very easily so you can make informed choices of what you want to do this NFL season. I also have a newsletter that's down there. That's free to join, and it constantly includes bonus content, extra research, giveaways, discounts on a bunch of shit so please go do that while you subscribe to mayo media network remember to smash the like button for the video tell me which player that everyone else hates that you actually like this season in the comment section because i told you next tomorrow's show is tight end rankings with jake Sue. he's also on the line right now from theathletic.com check out jake's show monday tuesday and wednesday live at 10 a.m eastern time on bets tv's youtube channel it's jake seeley hi again Hey, how's it going? Actually, that's only the Monday show. I don't do the smart thing like you do. I don't have the same time because all my co-hosts have weird schedules. So Meanie's at 10 a.m., Steph is 10.30, and Jeff is 2 p.m. in the afternoon on Wednesday. So that's what happens when you, you don't get to call all the shots like you do. Uh, yeah, yeah. When you have to rely on other people, Jake, it's a problem. You just got to start, like, freestyling <laughs> on your own. Whenever you see me without a guest on this show is usually when my guest, like, cancels last second and I can't get anyone. It's like, well, just an hour with Pat Mayo. Here we go. I'm just going to be ranting into a camera like an insane person. Or sometimes I just call other insane people and talk with them. It's a free-flowing conversation of crazy ideas. Anyway, I want to go rapid fire on some of these injuries risers and followers because i know that people are starting to do their home drafts or head-to-head leagues this weekend all my rankings are half point ppr i want to start with julio jones who's just straight up not practicing i still think that he has a chance to beat aj brown this year i think it's unlikely <laughs> that he beats him but there's probably now like a 25 percent, 30 percent chance that he scores more points i don't actually think it takes away anything from aj brown so i'm not too concerned about that because Corey davis put up an awesome year as a, a opposite A.J. Brown last year, and, like, if Julio can just put up, like, Corey Davis's numbers plus, like, 5 or 7%, he's going to be, like, number 24 wide receiver overall, or even better. So, I am kind of worried about him being dinged up already, though. 
Yeah, well, that's the biggest thing is everybody has this perception about Julio Jones is that he misses time. It's not it's, the perception is there because he seems to get banged up in games, but he still plays through them. He leaves for a few plays, but Julio Jones still every single year for what the past five years, except for one, which was last year, he's played 13, 14, 15 games. So yes, there's a little bit concerned that he doesn't play 16 on the dot a lot and we'll get nicked up. But Julio Jones is Julio Jones. Uh, you mentioned that I'd say a little bit of a light, light concern, but the good thing is, is I feel like this is bringing his ADP back to where it should have been. Uh, initially, even after the trade, he was still pushing right below that wide receiver one tier. Uh, as a mid to low wide receiver two, I think that's better where he deserves to be because he can still finish close to wide receiver one, but there's a giant group. I'm sure you've talked about it. We've all talked about it. You could argue for about 15 wide receivers to be ranked as wide receiver 13, and he's in that group. So he shouldn't be the top of the group, but he shouldn't be dead bottom of it either. I have Julio Jones ranked as wide receiver number 21 at the moment. That is behind Chris Godwin, Adam Thielen, Mike Evans, Deontay Johnson. And in high stakes drafts over the past three days, he's fallen all the way down to pick number 48 overall. That would be behind DJ Moore, Adam Thielen, Tyler Lockett, Deontay Johnson, Cooper Cup, Chris Godwin. That's Murray the one Cooper. I was going to ask you. In drafts. Would you go Tyler Lockett or Julio Jones? I'd go Julio. So do I. Okay. But the problem is that's still ahead of Daryl Henderson, who I like more. That's ahead of Mike Davis, who I like more. That's ahead of Jamar Chase, who I like more. So I'm probably still not going to end up with Julio, although I agree with you that end of the fourth round, early fifth round is somewhat of a value for Julio Jones at this point. Yeah, I, I think so as well. I haven't had him in a lot of places either. Um, I don't know if it's been a testament to who's still there, wide receiver-wise, and some of the guys we're talking about. Or should, I, you know what? I honestly think it's because of my Deontay Bay, as I keep saying, Deontay Johnson, is that I'm taking Deontay Johnson 10 times out of 10. I've mentioned this time and again that out of his 11 healthy games where he wasn't also benched. So even if you want to throw in that game, I'll give you both numbers. So the 11 healthy games where he wasn't hurt, played the full game, he was top seven wide receiver. He was actually top five in fantasy points per game. If you include the game where he got benched and throw that into the mix, he's still top 10. I just looked at my top 150 rankings. I actually have Julio Jones at number 48 overall, and that's now where he's being drafted. I have Deontay Johnson at number 42 overall. Yeah, see, and I'm taking Deontay Johnson and Robert Woods and Mike Evans, and there's a lot of people that are still taking Julio in front of a couple of them. So that's why I haven't had him yet. So maybe if he does fall, similar to a few spots, even behind where I have him, down to 21, 22 at wide receiver, he'll start to end up on some of my teams. And I think that's a valid risk spot for him to be. Chase Claypool avoided major mm. injury, but that's two weeks. It's like two weeks in a row that he's been like, just, you know, it's just been weird with him where there's been an injury scare and he's going to be okay. Maybe he's made of like, what was, what was the Terminator made of liquid? Was it just liquid metal or was there like an actual oh. name for that? Well, I don't know. I just know he was the T-1000. I don't know what he was actually made of. Okay. Could, like, well, anyway, we can look it up. He might, he might, I, <laughs> I, I, I think the people are okay. They can go do their own research on that one. But Clay, he's just a shape shifting Android. There but, you go. But Claypool is someone who was, you know, progressively moving up and up and up draft boards with Juju falling, falling, falling. So Juju is now going 65 overall. Claypool is going number 60 overall. I just think it's Deontay Johnson. I want, I'm not going to worry about the other two. It feels like passing on Claypool could be passing on a bunch of upside. He's already been like hurt twice in the preseason. He's going to be a, okay and I feel like I'm just investing in other spots in the Steelers offense give me Harris give me Deontay and that's really all I want 
Yeah. I, I, and the biggest thing about Chase Claypool is actually, uh, by the way, it is liquid metal. I know you said you don't care, but he's got a giant Wikipedia page just to him. Um, it's liquid metal. But the Chase Claypool was a little bit more touchdown reliant. And if you, here's what I come back to is if you like Juju Smith-Schuster to rebound and think that Najee Harris balances the offenses more and play action is going to develop more things for Ben Roethlisberger and Ben Roethlisberger is healthier this year and you like Juju Smith-Schuster, it's going to come at the expense of Chase Claypool to a degree because Juju still caught plenty of his own touchdowns last year. And if, you, again, you go to the healthy games, Deontay Johnson has been the number one when he's the number one, uh, well, he's on the field. So it's Deontay, then one of the other two. And if it's then one of the other two, and even if they split the entire season and come out with similar numbers, uh, you're going to have that inconsistency built in there. So I would want him as my three. I want Juju as my three. I don't want either one of them as my wide receiver too. Uh, maybe if I took three running backs early, but uh, I'm I'm definitely with you on that one. I actually have, I'm looking where I have Claypool, and this is without the injury because it sounds like he's fine. I have Claypool behind like Cooks and DJ Moore and Ayuk and Cup and Higgins and like all this. So I have Claypool almost out. He's barely inside the top 30 for me. Uh, where do I have Claypool? I think he's outside of my top 30 just by a shade. Claypool is number 34 because I have him behind like Marv. Yep. But here's a guy that I actually wanted to, that I wanted to talk about because he still hasn't played yet in the preseason. It's Cortland Sutton. Vic Fangio said he might be able to play in the Broncos week two preseason game, but it does look like he's going to be able to play for week one. But the more and more that we don't see him coming off this knee injury, the more and more I'm like, yeah, this isn't great news by any means, but if he's going to be out there week one, he is someone whose ADP has started to fall and plummet, uh, where at the beginning when there was so much optimism for him and potentially this offense, and now it seems like Jerry Judy is being drafted where Cortland Sutton was, and Sutton's being drafted where Jerry Judy was. Do you see a reason? I mean, we know what the reason is, but do you think that flip should have happened? And like, where are you taking Cortland Sutton? Uh, so I have Cortland Sutton just barely higher than you do, but I'm at 32. Uh, the biggest question is, is Cortland Sutton healthy? And we don't know. Like We can listen to these reports and all that type of stuff, but I think Judy and Cortland Sutton are a very dangerous duo. And I think that Drew Locke showed some, again, it's just one game. It's week one of the preseason, so I'm not putting too much weight into it. I don't think that Drew Locke is turning into a top 15 quarterback, but Drew Locke showed a little bit more competency in that game. And that's just good for Judy and Sutton. If Sutton's health, people forget even with this poor quarterback play, what Sutton was and why people were taking Sutton as a fringe wide receiver one last year, because he's that kind of alpha wide receiver in the NFL. Whether or not, I think the good comparison for Sutton might be Saquon Barkley. Are you willing to take that risk and wonder that, hey, are Sutton and Saquon maybe not 100% until week four, but I'm willing to gamble because I know what their upside is? then you do it. If you don't think it's going to possibly happen and you're worried it might be a year long where at best they get back to 90% of what they were, then you avoid them. But I think right now as ADP, that's baked in with Sutton. It's not baked in as much with Saquon Barkley. It is. And like I said, where is Sutton going now in draft? Sutton is going at, that's not how you spell Sutton. Sutton is going at pick <laughs> number 80 now in draft so a seventh round That's, pick that, that, that seems like i'm an taking that every time that seems like unbelievable upside like there are guys around him who i do like a lot but like michael thomas is still going 10 picks ahead of him i, I just i can't get on board with that. i don't even know if he's going to come is there a chance that michael thomas doesn't play a game this season I think that's a, a possible. It's not a non-zero chance. Like, I just threw a couple nons in there, but it's that it, if you told me that I could bet on that happening, I'd throw a few bucks on it. <laughs> Yeah, and it's not to say that he's going to be injured the entire season, but 
if he's injured for a bunch of weeks at the beginning of the season, that he doesn't want to play for the Saints and they don't trade him, then he's just sitting on the sidelines. Yeah, and I think you could look at kind of like the A.J. Green situation. Is what, what do I want to come back for? And he's already... I don't want to put anything out there. And I'm not saying because I don't know the guy outside of an interview when he was a college coming out of college into the NFL. So I haven't talked to him in years. And even that was just a, it was a podcast interview. So I don't know the guy. Make that clear. But you're starting to get the diva sense. And again, now it could be completely wrong. Could be the nicest guy in the world. Could be the best teammate in the world. But it's kind of starting to feel like the Antonio Brown situation a little bit of. And again, not the the road he went down, but just kind of like. Does he really want to play? Or if he's upset, is he going to put forth 100% of trying to get back on the field? So, like I said, with A.J. Green, that it just happened. If we get to week 9 and 10, and he's like, hey, you know, this team is 2-7, and seven, like, well, what am I coming back for? Uh, then it wouldn't be a surprise. Does that mean we have to draft Marquez Callaway everywhere? Because I've been doing that really late in drafts now. I think both him and Traquan Smith. I know everybody's off Traquan Smith, but... Worst case scenario, Smith is the two. Like everybody's talking about, Callaway could be the one. They're still the number one. Like flip them, go whichever direction you want to go. They're the one and two receivers for this team outside of Alvin Kamara. Like we talked about Trotman on your tight end show, is that they're using him to block a lot. If Smith and Callaway, or Callaway and Smith, no matter which order you want to put him in, so maybe you take Callaway before you take Smith, you still take both of them because they're the top two receivers for a team. Yeah, that tight end show in tears will be out on Thursday on Mayo Media Network. So you should probably subscribe to Mayo Media Network while you're here and smash that like button while you're at it. Okay, remember to enter that draw as well. So here's some guys that have been falling down ADPs right now going into the weekend. And Miles Gaskin is number one. I broke him down on fancy football picks and bets. His timeshare versus Malcolm Brown, if they're going to use Salvin Ahmed very much in this offense. But the Dolphins' offensive line just isn't going to be good. But when does it go too far with Gaskin when he starts falling down drafts? Because I've seen him, he's still not gone in that draft that I'm currently doing with you. I don't believe anyone has taken him yet. No, they have he not. He just went. He just went. So we. 7 10. Running Seven, back 32. So pick number 82 overall. Ave- 32 is too low. Eventually, do you start gambling? Yes. Uh, mostly because something, you know, I know we're coming from the Bilicek school over here, but up until this point, the usage has been very much not 100% bell cow, but been very much like the guy. So, you know, everybody's been talked up, all three of them. We saw Ahmed perform well when Gaskin went down last year. And now you add another piece to this, and there's three options here. That's why he should fall. Uh, I like Gaskin as a talent. You know this. People who follow me have known this. But I do understand that there's risk here. But at running back 32, 710 overall, you know, we're talking about Damian Harris went in front of him. I'd rather have Damian Harris, who you took. But he's in that same group. That's where he deserves to be, like James Robinson. Is he losing his job, or is he still the lead? If he's even in a timeshare and still has the lead, on an offense that we expect to be much better this year, that's still value. So I would take them over the Arizona running backs, plural, Connor and Edmonds, the Buccaneers backs, the entire backfield. I think his situation is not as muddy as theirs. 
Well, here is a name that I'll throw out to you who I wanted to throw into this mix as well as guys that are falling ADP-wise. I took him in this draft in the sixth round, and I probably could have waited to the seventh round to get him now that I look back on it and see what running backs are going, and the sentiment around this player isn't very high. He's actually going after Trey Sermon in drafts right now, but I actually think that Raheem Mostert could be a league winner this year based on the amount that the 49ers want to run the ball, and if their defense isn't isn't decimated, they could actually do that this year. But everyone just wants Sermon because, oh, he's the new guy. He's a rookie. He's so great, and he might be great. But I know that Mostert is good in this offense, and he's going to be the lead back to start the season. And the only way he loses that job is if he sucks, and he doesn't suck, so that should be good enough. <laughs> well, here, here's two things on top of it. So coming from somebody who immediately after the draft says talent-wise, Trey Sermon is the best running back in that backfield. At the same time, he doesn't suck. Also, he's playing for Kyle Shanahan, that being Mostert, because Kyle Shanahan has the Midas touch and turns even Jeff Wilson into a good running back. Yes, I've said this before. The only reason we know Jeff Wilson as a running back is because he played for Shanahan. So if Mostert is healthy, he's still the lead option until otherwise proven. And maybe it's more of a split and every single week we get Mostert and Sermon. But you know what? Well, then fine. Mostert's still going to have value. I love Sermon upside i love sermon for the potential like i said the best talent in that backfield it's best talent on paper it's best talent until proven otherwise and Mostert for right now is the lead guy i have Mostert ahead of trey sermon and i'm saying all that to say i love trey sermon on this team but i would take Mostert as well i'm with you i have Mostert at 27 right there with javante williams and for me sermon is down by james robinson at like the 33 34 range so I have it a little bit different. I have Josh Javante Williams at 22, Josh Jacobs, Kareem Hunt, 22, 23, 24. Mostert at 25, Damian Harris at number 26, Etienne, Gaskin, Chase Edmonds, Ronald Jones, Michael Carter, Latavius Murray, Gus Edwards, Trey Sermon, Kenyon Drake, A.J. Dillon, then James Robinson, then Melvin Gordon, who is still, he's just returned to practice. Maybe I should... Because we didn't get to see Melvin Gordon. Javante Williams looked really good in week one. I feel like there was a bit of an overreaction. Is Melvin Gordon now like a decent value or is he just being pushed aside? I see he's he's uh, he's kind of both. Uh, the thing is, is Javante Williams was probably going to be very similar to Miles Sanders rookie season where week six or seven, he now leads the backfield just because now this is another talent situation where but where the talent is bigger at this point of their career too is that Javante Williams was one of the most talented running backs in this draft class Melvin Gordon is at best his best years was kind of like what we think Javante Williams could be and of course I say what we think because we're projecting Javante Williams into the NFL so assuming he succeeds he's ahead of he's better than Melvin Gordon is today Melvin Gordon three four years ago it's probably a toss-up and that's the point is that Melvin Gordon was probably going to lose this job before long, uh, by not being on the field, he's just opening the door to happen earlier. And you could see a timeshare right out of the gate in week one. Uh, not what we would love for fantasy to be in the timeshare. But yeah, Melvin Gordon being where he is, is maybe Denver just says, you know what, we know Gordon, we trust Gordon, and we don't turn it necessarily over to Javante Williams until proven otherwise. And it might only take two weeks of Melvin Gordon looking terrible out there. But yeah, this low Melvin Gordon, you know, might as well take the flyer. Yeah, especially if he's free at this point, too. I want to rapid fire through some of these news and notes. Carry on, Johnson. Cut slash waved. 
by the Philadelphia Eagles. Bad news. He just had a baby with Ashley K from the challenge. So hopefully carry on either bank some money or can find himself a new job. I'm rooting for the fam carry on. So yeah, if you just want like a job on a show, you can come break down games with me. If you want to get <laughs> nothing else to do, Mayo Media Network could be hiring an ex NFL or to be an analyst on the network. If you're <laughs> an ex NFL or watching out there, you know, just contact Pat Mayo. We'll be good to go. Uh, the talk out of the Washington footballs is that Antonio Gibson, they want to play a Christian McCaffrey type role. I will see this. I will believe it when I see it. Although I did bump him up in the rankings a little bit because I had been really low on Antonio Gibson versus the rest of everyone, but I've moved him back up behind Joe Mixon uh, in one spot ahead of Clyde Edwards Hilaire. So now it goes Taylor, Mixon, Gibson, Edwards Hilaire, Swift, Dobbins, Carson. So I'm at number 13 at running back, which is still way lower than everyone else, but that's where mm-hmm. I feel comfortable with him at. Yeah, this when I heard that report, I did this. That's, that was the that was the noise I made. Uh, I have him at fifteen. I haven't moved him from fifteen, so I'm a little bit lower than you are because you can tell us all this. But you know, it, it's kind of like people tell about being friends or lovers or whatever. But it's like actions speak louder than words. Well, what you told us in week one, where he's not on third down at all, zero third down snaps, and then yes, he had targets, but zero third down snaps. Uh, yeah, you can say this all day long, and you want to be in the Christian McCaffrey role, but Christian McCaffrey is Christian McCaffrey because he never comes off the damn field. He's out there 97% of the time, and that's not an exaggeration. So, no, I, I, I like Antonio Gibson. I'm a fan of Antonio Gibson, but I there's two names you said after him that I have in front of him, and that's Dobbins and Edwards Alaire. Yeah, I think that those three are sort of like on a team. Which one do you believe in the most of those three would be just the head of them. But I think that those guys packaged together is the move. And I can frankly see David Montgomery and Chris Carson outscoring all three of those guys. I don't have the guts to rank (laughs) it that way, but I can definitely see it happening. They're in the same tier for me, so it wouldn't shock me. Uh, but that puts Gibson at 25 overall for me in the best ball draft that I'm doing right now. Mike Clay took him at 10th overall, I think, or 12th overall. So Mike Clay sure. thinks he can finish as RB1. The RB, not RB1 as an RB1, but the number one running back. Well, he's putting his money where his mouth is. He actually took him at pick number 13. He paired up Chubb and Gibson together at the 12-13 turn. Not a bad start to a draft. Not not the Pat Mayo way, but that's how high people are going on Antonio Gibson, which means I'm just not going to be drafting him all that much this year. Right. Here, here's one for you. Did you see that Kevin White signed with the New Orleans I Saints? Did. That's how desperate they are at wide receiver now. Hey, like the Kevin White one, was, he's another one. They're like the, the fantasy community has been trying to make happen forever. I don't know if they've finally given up on him, but the reason we're talking about it is because they did. You know, Kevin White, one of the bigger bust examples of wide receivers that haven't hit in the first round, no matter your draft capital. Uh, you know, I would love to see the kids succeed for just because of Kevin White being Kevin White. But at this point, you know, how many teams has he been kicked around and tried to succeed on with opportunity? Like, not quite this bad, but teams that needed him and needed a wide receiver. So it doesn't move the needle for me. Last thing, Darren Waller has returned to Raiders practice. We'll talk about him more on tomorrow's tight end show. Devonta Smith said he's going to start doing team drills Tuesday. Do you think he's ready by week one or should we be drafting Riker right now? Uh, I've been the Rager fan. I, I, he was in my bounce back candidates. He was in my whatever you want to call it. Last year's post type sleepers, trash dive, like whatever you want to call it, because Rager was miscast being the number one in general, running outside a lot. Uh, you Goddard wasn't healthy for a lot of the year. We saw what happened with Zach Ertz, the offensive line play, the quarterback play. There's so many things that went wrong, but it comes back to the fact that Rager was not ready to be that kind of guy. Similar to Henry Ruggs. Uh, I do think Devontae Smith in his own right is a little bit concerned where he was going. I love Devontae Smith because I thought he's walking into 100 plus targets for this team. 
if everybody's overreacting to Quez Watkins one catch in that game, but that's the Devontae Smith role. That role is going to stay there. So Rager is going to be Rager, whether it's Smith or Watkins or Travis Fulgham again, who actually doesn't fill that role the same way because he's more of a possession receiver. But I'm on the Rager train is like tremendous value this year. I think Rager and Ruggs are going to win a lot of, and they're not going to be league winners, like top 20 wide receivers, but you told me top 30, I think it's well within the uh, possibility for both of them. If you had tuned in to last Wednesday evenings or watch it on Thursday mornings, fantasy football picks and bets, you would have played Quez Watkins in your DraftKings lineup uh, for those <laughs> Thursday set of games. And boom, guess who won money? Everyone who watched plus me. If I'm winning money from that show, then other people are most definitely cashing checks from that show. Last few things, Justin Jefferson returned to practice on a limited basis earlier this week. So he looks like he's going to be fine for week one. Alan Hearns is out for three months. Uh, would you draft Waddle or would you draft... Uh, like how like is Waddle still like one of the highest rookie receivers for you? Mm, he was behind Devontae Smith for me, but, uh, but is he behind Chase? But is he still behind Devontae um, Smith? Yeah, really. I Even think with I, that, I think I'd rather have Waddle right now. I lo- I love Wallet. I don't see the problem is the the opportunities. I still think that if Devontae Smith now, of course, week two we still have week two of the preseason to happen. If Devontae Smith is still out, not out there, but I see him walking into 100 plus targets. I love Waddle, but. I think that Parker is getting completely overlooked. And the fact that Will Fuller, it's a one-game suspension. He didn't blow his ACL. It's a one-game suspension. He's going to be out there. And we talked about Gesicki on your tight end show coming out. There's a lot of weapons on this team, which is great for Tua. But what do I say, Pat? Buy the cake, not the icing. At price right now, I'm buying the Tua cake. I'm passing on the price of Waddle, despite the fact I like Waddle. I have Waddle at 49. He's not that far down, but I'm not getting him in a lot of drafts because of that. Or you could just take Devontae Parker, who's going even later than all these guys. And is, yeah, is shockingly, still on the team, despite no one talking about him going <laughs> forward. Uh, last few notes, Joe Burrow is not playing this weekend. I still love Joe Burrow. I love Jamar Chase. Get them wherever you can. They're on my must-draft list this year, especially at their price. Uh, David Johnson and Philip Lindsay, that's still going to be a thing that we have to monitor going forward. Tyler Conklin. <laughs> no, we don't. Tyler Conklin is, hey, listen, if it's a starting... If it's a starting running back like that you can get in the last round, I'll take a gamble on that. The The last one overall is Elijah Moore. Probably won't be back with his quad injury till at least next week out of Jets camp. And from everything that I've seen with the Jets, Corey Davis actually looks like he might be a good value pick at this point. Corey Davis, volume, volume, volume. I was legitimately concerned. I was one of the people who even said I was legitimately concerned about Corey Davis succeeding as much as the Jets, even though he wasn't a top 20 wide receiver, but just carrying that over from what he just did last year, more volume, but same numbers. But if Zach Wilson's going to look to him that much, and now we're heading towards the potential Allen Robinson treatment, where who cares if your quarterback's subpar play, if you're going to be getting 25% plus of the target share. Yeah, I'm on Corey Davis, and I've been off a lot. I love Elijah Moore, the talent. Matt Harmon has written up Elijah Moore, written up Elijah Moore, and yes, Elijah Moore is a great talent, but this is a good idea. This goes back to the fantasy community, is so many people talk up Elijah Moore. Jamison Crowder, similar to Dallas Goddard and Zach Ertz, Jamison Crowder's still there. There's other weapons still there. It's a lot to go around, especially, or not, enough to go around, especially if Corey Davis is going to be getting even not 25%, even is going to be getting 20 plus percent. There's just not enough to make Elijah more consistent until Crowder or somebody else is out of the picture. Check out Jake Seeley at theathletic.com tomorrow on the Pat Mayo Experience, doing the tight end tiered rankings, and every Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday on Bets TV's YouTube channel, talking more football than you can handle. Like I said, check him out on Twitter at AllInKid. If you ever have a question, you're positively going to get a snarky response. 
Are you tossing to me? Or are you just that was your out? I thought that was your out. No, I, I was just waiting for you to react to it. Oh no, it's I'm laughing. You're 100 percent right. Yes. That somebody already asked me. And they said, Hey, how come your rankings are different than your VORP projections? And the very intro of the rankings piece says, These are how I would draft. This is why they are different than my VORP calculations. Did you just say And I said, Thanks for read reading. the intro, buddy. Yeah. Yep. Thanks, pal, for not reading. Yo, before we get to the tight end rankings, I want to tell you to hit the description of this video. You will see a link for prize picks, and you can use code MMN when you deposit up there as well. If you deposit right now, you're going to get a match deposit up for $100. And the biggest thing is, here's a sneak peek coming soon, that... If you do deposit using our code or our link down there, I'm going to be running a season-long props competition, and the way to get in is to deposit underneath our code. So you might just want to knock that off right now uh, as we get going through this. So you can have like 25 bucks, 100 bucks, whatever it might be. They're going to match up to 100 bucks. You might as well put the $100 in, even if you didn't win 100 bucks from the giveaways. Uh, so code MMN or the link that's in the description right now, because we're going to have some fun stuff going on over there for season-long props contests. All right? Let's get back to Jake in tight ends. 2021 tight end rankings for half point PPR. If you've missed the tiered rankings at all of the other positions, be at the top 150 overall, the running backs, the wide receivers, the quarterbacks, shame on you, but you can rectify that very easily by hitting the description. You can find the link to all of those right now. Remember to subscribe to Mayo Media Network too and smash the like button to the video and tell me your tight end sleeper of the year. One of those last round tight ends that you think you can get away with in fantasy drafts in 2021. Jake Seeley from The athletic.com at all in kid on Twitter is on the line. I don't want to go too crazy with tight ends. I'm not going to lie to you. I think it's pretty straightforward <laughs> of who the good ones are and who like the ones that we have no idea are. I think that's pretty much the case most years. But the funny thing is, is you say that and then that third tier, which I'm assuming that's what it's going to be today. That third tier is often the landmines of tight ends, like the past years of OJ Howard and Evan Ingram and then Tyler Higby last year. Like that's the one that everybody falls into the trap with. It is, and we'll see what the recent ADPs are showing from a lot of these guys, but let's just go to Tier 1. It's one player. It's Travis Kelsey, and I'm good with that. I'm doing a draft right now in your Flex League, a 12-teamer. It's best ball, so the strategy is a little bit different. We can talk through that in a second. But I took Kelsey at number six overall. And, you know, that the one thing that I found about drafts where I do start Travis Kelsey is that it almost instantly puts me into zero RB mode. And that's for all the conversations you and I had, you know, that's why I don't generally do it now, even as I've sat here for how many years do you and I have been doing this show and have had the conversation where I don't take Kelsey I actually had two of my three dynasty startups this past season. And granted, it's a dynasty startup. So he's discounted because of his age. But I took Kelsey in the second round of both because he fell to the second round because of the age. And I don't mind it. The difference there is I didn't have to take him the first round because what you just said, it's you're giving something up at running back or wide receiver. If you go running back in the second round, you're not totally zero RB. Uh, you could kind of go with that. What are people like elite RB, bell cow, like the one running back, whatever it might be. But then if you do that, well, then you're likely not getting an elite wide receiver. So you kind of give something else up. And then if you do go wide receiver in the second round and half a full point PPR to your point is now you're all, you are kind of headed towards the, again, not full zero running back, but you're going to be playing that game where you're kind of looking for that timeshare. Hopefully it breaks their way. The backup, like a Javante Williams that takes over by week six and those kind of guys. 
The biggest issue for me was the the two running backs that I wanted in round two both didn't make it to me in two of the three picks before me. I was like, oh, well, one of these guys is most definitely going to fall because Najee <laughs> Harris is exactly who I wanted to take, and he obviously did not make it back to me. Then the, Joe Mixon was going to be the consolation prize. He didn't make it back to me. I was like, oh, this is great. I'm going to get Calvin Ridley, who I love this year, and I'll just go zero RB that way. And, of course, he doesn't make it to me. They go one, two, three right in front of me. So I get, quote, unquote, stuck with DeAndre Hopkins with the 19th overall pick. And I was fine with that because the next picks are like DK, A.J. Brown, Keenan Allen, Justin Jefferson. And then we get to our next tight end in terms of Darren Waller at number 24. But after that, like I wasn't going to start plunging on third round running backs. You know what I mean? Like it was between I I was thinking about Chris Carson in the third. It was between him and McLaurin. And I didn't want to say, you know what, I'm going to take although I have McLaurin ranked higher. I started thinking to myself, it's like, well, I don't have a running back. What am I going to do here? And it being best ball, I think the strategy is a little bit different in this circumstance as well, because now I can take like six loser running backs and hopefully two of them have good (laughs) weeks. I'd rather just take the higher scoring players overall. So I was going to take McLaurin either way. But Carson was obviously off the board one pick before. Matthew Barry took him one pick before me. So I ended up with Terry McLaurin. And then I ended up taking Mike Davis in the fourth round at pick number 43. Which I like. Uh, yeah, as a – I needed someone with some – at least – I don't know how long he keeps his job for, but I needed some sort of volume at the running back position. And I think that he has not a ton of upside, but I think he has a pretty stable floor as long as he has that job. So that's just sort of one look of how a team may start if you take Kelsey in the first round. And I take him at number six overall because I looked at the board uh, and all of the five running backs that I wanted all actually went picks one through five. I was hoping someone would jump on maybe Barkley or anyone, Jonathan Taylor, Nick Chubb, someone like that. I could be talked into one of those running backs. Like, I think if I put them like side by side, like Harris and Kelsey would be my ideal start to drafts. But I think that means I need to have pick like eight or pick nine if I want to go that <laughs> and pray someone doesn't jump on Kelsey at the same time. But I was good with taking Kelsey at six. I like my team others may not like my team but I actually like my team uh but that's sort of the route that you have to go if you do take one of these tight ends early and it being specifically Travis Kelsey yeah so I'm glad you mentioned that because the the one place where I did take him in a redraft in the first round wasn't nine it was actually 11 and I took him at 11 knowing you know even the two running backs go bang bang at the turn and that draft, I was able to go, uh, not Harris, it was actually Kelsey Mixon. So I'm okay with that. As you mentioned in your draft, for everybody that doesn't know, uh, the Mixon drop-off, the next running back that went with Clyde Edwards-Alaire and then Montgomery and Carson, and that you were mentioned before. And it was, what, one, two, three, four, five, six straight wide receivers. So it was kind of what was on the board for you. So when I went Kelsey at 11, that's why I'll tell you, I almost went Kelsey at six like you just did in a recent draft. Uh, but again, it was the format situation. That was a guillotine league, and that's actually why I was considering it. It was like, look, I'll never have to go try and chase somebody off the guillotine waivers. Uh, but at the same time, because it's 17 teams, I was like, well, if I don't take a running back here, I'm going to be spending a ton of my fab early, and that still might not even work out. So it depends on your format. And you brought this up, but you didn't say it on the show, but before we even jumped on, I asked if you were going to take Kittle in the third. If he fell to you, he was two picks in front of you. In a best ball, as you mentioned, at running back and at tight end, like some teams will do, is you can kind of cobble together two or three tight ends and know that most weeks you'll get double digits. You can cobble together five, six running backs and know you'll get two good guys every single week. You kind of lose that upside that you like to do and hammer out that position and get Kittle and Kelsey. Uh, you, You lose some of that upside when you do that in best ball. 
I agree. That's more of a head-to-head philosophy that I like to employ because the other teams can only start one tight end, and then you force them into... By by monopolizing the very top end of the tight end market, and you can play one at flex, you can play one at tight end, and like Kittle's, you know, what would he be, like a receiver 13 or something like that? But his positional value goes up, especially when you already have Travis Kelsey. That means two of the best three tight ends are just off the board for no one else to have. And then you really put people into a hole. In best ball, like you said, you can take two or three tight ends at the end of your draft and roll the dice that once a week one of those guys is okay and it really mitigates the overall impact that taking those tight ends early was going to be so uh, I was really just waiting for best player to fall to me I felt that McLaurin was the best player available for how highly I have him ranked you can check out the full rankings list in the description at each of the positions by the way you just click on the 150 and all the all the hot links are up in there so it's Kittle it's Kelsey <laughs> number one we know that tier two is Waller and the aforementioned George Kittle for me. Do you have any concerns about Waller and like just the fact that he hasn't done much this preseason? No, honestly, for the report, well, if we're to believe the reports. So if we're to believe the reports, it's not a major situation. So similar to Austin Eckler, uh, who isn't playing at all this preseason, I just, just get to the season healthy. Like, I don't want to see you go down. Uh, yesterday, well, when we're recording this, is yesterday being Tuesday, uh, Chase Claypool went down on the second to the last play, and thankfully they're saying it's minor, it's not even a significant sprain, all that type. But that... So the last thing we want to see is Darren Waller's Darren Waller. The question with the Raiders is how's the split going to be in the backfield? And is John Brown going to be the number one? Is Henry Ruggs going to step forward? Is Brian Edwards going to have a better year too? Like those are the questions. The question isn't Waller. So just get to the season healthy, similar to George Kittle. Like I don't want to see George Kittle re-aggravate, like get another injury. Uh, just get him to the season healthy. So I don't, again, as long as the reports are true. This is kind of similar to... Uh, who else? DeAndre Swift dealing with his groin right now. It's like, oh, he should be fine for week one. Well, yeah, like I'd still like to know for certain, but if we believe it, then no, I'm not concerned. In high-end NFC high-stakes drafts over the past four days, Darren Waller is now going pick number 22 overall, George Kittle number 29 in the draft that I am still currently doing. It's a slow draft. They went 24 and 28, respectively. So that is the tier of guy that people are going for, and it's going to cost you an early to late third-round pick in order to acquire them. Do you feel more comfortable with Kittle in the third or Kelsey in the first? Kittle. Uh, oh, for more comfortable? Yeah, like, I don't well, want to do Kelsey. You don't Look, want, you I don't want to do Kelsey in the first, but if you tell, if I got him where I got him in that other draft at 11th, I, I, I don't hate that cost because I'm getting that quick turnaround pick and do what I did and get still a top 12 running back. Um, so I would rather take Kelsey there. But if I had to take Kelsey where you took him, then Kittle in the third. That's where it really comes down to. I know that half round doesn't sound like a lot, but it does make the difference for how I'm building my team. So if it's Kelsey in the middle of the first, give me Kittle in the third. If it's Kelsey at the end of the first, give me Kittle or Kelsey. Sorry. Yeah, I actually think it's still Kelsey, that Kelsey is sort of on a tier of his own, and these next two guys are closer to the tier three type tight end, although the reason sure. that I have Kittle and Waller separated as a part of the tier two is I think their floors are so much better. There's still a lot of unpredictability with the next three guys in tier three, and that's going to be Mark Andrews, Kyle Pitts, and TJ Hawkinson. Do you think that those three deserve to be in tier three? Is there anyone that should be on it? Is there anyone that should be out of it? No, that's actually my exact same tier. Uh, the only difference between you and me is I put the three in tier one. 
uh, only because we've seen Kelsey and Kittle finish back to back by a tenth of a point. Uh, so if you want to separate Kelsey because who Kelsey is, I have no problem with that. I'm not saying you're wrong to do. It's just when I said at the beginning of the show, and that's why I'm saying this at the beginning of the show, when I was saying tier three, it wasn't these three. It was the next group we're going to get to. So for that point, uh, I do I have Pitts, Hawkinson and Andrews in order in tier two. I actually had Mark Andrews in a tier of his own before Bateman got hurt because my biggest concern of the Bateman was that he was going to affect Mark Andrews. We talked about that a couple weeks ago is that Bateman wasn't just only going to affect Marquise Brown and the rest, but that he was going to take away Mark Andrews and Mark Andrews is already somewhat inconsistent, has a lot of 20 point weeks, but he has a lot of single digit games as well. So that's where I had Andrews on a tier of his own. But now that Bateman's at least missing the first couple of weeks, potentially, uh, I, I put him back with Pitts and Hawkinson. I was going to say missing at least the first few weeks. I think that injury looks like it might be not necessarily more serious, but it might take a bit longer to heal. And then for him to get back right. on the field and be an absolute a- actual contributor that takes away targets from other people. It's funny, the runthesims.com projections right now, the baseline projections, and you can go to runthesims.com and use the projections for free. You can mess around with them, do whatever you want. But if you want the optimizer game simulations or betting tools, that is going to cost you something. So runthesims.com slash mayo will get you fifty or $50 off the overall package and $25 off the simulator DFS package, that kind of thing. And it's all tools like that are completely customizable. No one's giving you picks on the site. You input what you want to input, change the baselines to whatever you want, then run the numbers. Makes everything super easy. But if it's just projections, season-long projections that you're concerned about, just go create a free account at runthesims.com right now, and you can go mess around it, save your results. It's awesome. You can make your own rankings that way. So the baseline projections love Mark Andrews more than these other two by a pretty healthy margin. So I'm inclined to trust that just a little bit based on how this team is likely going to operate, although they have zero healthy receivers at this point, and all of the offense (laughs) or all the defense can actually hone in on Mark Andrews. But I actually have him close to Kittle and Waller in terms of projections than I do Pitts and Hawkinson than the next tier of all of these guys that are an absolute crapshoot. It seems like the projections have him in tier two. That's why I have him at the top of tier three because the eye test, me thinking through the log the logic of the situation, especially with Pitts and with Hawkinson. I think that they are under projected. Maybe Andrews is a little over projected, but I do think that Andrews probably has, I don't want to say the most upside in case Pitts is like a generational type talent. I'm just hesitant because it's a tight end. It's year one and we just don't see it all that often. Yeah, we don't. And, you know, you have to go back to all the way Mike Dicka to have an amazing season, but Jeremy Shockey had a really good season. Everybody brings up Evan Ingram and Evan Ingram had a situation where he had no wide receivers healthy left. It was essentially the number one. So to tie all that together, the comparison I keep making, and I do for you, like to go comparison wise, uh, my projections, I have Pitts 162, Hawkinson 155, Mark Andrews 152. And that's why they're in a tier together for me. The reason I have Pitts the highest is the comparison I keep making is pretend, and I know this is not the same, but let me get through the entire thing for everybody listening, is pretend they drafted Jamar Chase. And that's where I say it is like he is that type of matchup problem. And if Chase was on this team, it's the Justin Jefferson of last year. Justin Jefferson stepped into a situation where he was the number two receiver. There was questions whether or not he was going to succeed outside. That obviously wasn't an issue. But I say that to say if a wide receiver had been drafted, Devontae Smith went to the Falcons. We'd be talking about Devontae Smith as a top 20 wide receiver, similar to what Chase is right now in a lot of drafts for the Bengals. Is he stepping into a volume situation where he is the number two receiver and not a wide out, but he's the number two receiver for the Falcons. He's stepping into Julio's role. 
Russell Gage plays better out of the slot. He's probably going to be forced to play more outside now with uh, Zacchaeus in the slot more. But for all intents and purposes, if Pitts isn't a bust, and that's where the risk comes in, you're not wrong in saying that. If, if Pitts is a bust as first year and he struggles to acclimate as a tight end and they do ask him to block some and they don't trust him when they do need him to block. So now, now he's not on the field 85% of the time. Like there are scenarios that you could say this is how he doesn't finish as a top five tight end. But for all intents and purposes, he's their number two wide receiver, and that's why I have him where I do. So if you don't want to take him there, I have no problem with it. But the upside is legitimate where, at, you know, 900 receiving yards and six, seven touchdowns, I think is well within his range of outcomes. So the projections that I've run and I've customized for myself on runthesims.com, and like I said, you can go put in your own numbers and see what it spits out for you. I have in half-point PPR – Mark Andrews at 200.1 points, Kyle Pitts at 162 points, and then Hawkinson's at like 130 points. So there's like a gap, a gap, and then everyone else. So you're just, yeah, that's the biggest difference is our Pitts projections are very close. The biggest difference is you have Andrews a lot higher. What do you have Andrews? Is it the, so I have him for 800 receiving yards and seven touchdowns. What is it? Is the yards or the touchdowns that you're higher on? It's both. I have him at 1025 receiving yards and eight touchdowns. Wow. Okay. I mean, that that's definitely, you know, I have a sprinkling across of everybody else of 650 yards, 650 to Marquise, still 430 to Bateman, 530 to Watkins, Duvernay getting 200, which isn't a hell of a lot. Tylen Walsh getting 200. So, you know, if you sprinkle some of those out and then, you know, throw them onto Andrews, uh, for the comparison, I have Andrews at a 18.4 target share. You probably have them higher than that. I can go tell you what I have right now. I have him at a... Where are you at, Mark Andrews? I'm going to guess 22. That is dead on, 22%. <laughs> it's like we do this for a living. Yeah. And you probably ran those simulations with those numbers at the same time. And you know, you, at least No, you, I actually you, did it. I was. Uh, you could see the Cherry Coke Zero I was holding and getting ready to take a sip of. I, no, I no, 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 no. What I mean, I, you've probably run that before. At least you know what a 4% percentage point upgrade oh, on okay. a player like that yeah. would actually yeah. lead to. Because uh, that is the projection that I have out right now. The rest of the market share for the Ravens, I got Hollywood at 16%. I, I still punched in Bateman at 15%. Watkins, who's... All three of these guys are hurt, so who the fuck knows? And then I have Sammy Watkins at... <laughs> 11% Duvernay and Boykin at 5%. Wait, wait. Is Watkins is 9% of Watkins week one and then 2% the rest of the year? Yeah, basically. But what, what if he misses week one this year, though? What happens to him? <laughs> is, does it roll over? Is it like those old cell phone plans that rolls over to the next week? Oh, that would be fantastic news. So that's the tier three. <laughs> I guess the question about pits I had for you is thinking back to just our lifetime and let's say the past 15 years or so. When we talk, mm-hmm. and the way that Pitts gets talked about, I can only remember one other tight end being talked about this way coming out of college, and maybe two, because I think people forget the buzz on Hawkinson and what a complete player he was coming out. Like, and he ended up going inside the top ten to the Lions, so obviously they thought the same thing. But there was just a lot of like mm-hmm. building momentum for Hawkinson by the time the draft came around. But the only one I can ever really remember getting the same sort of comps to Pitts, like athletically, he's going to make such an impact, is Vernon Davis. Yeah, I mean, I think that's how far back you have to go. The biggest thing about Hawkinson at the time, and I wasn't the only one to say it, is you mentioned how complete of a tight end he is 
was part of the problem is the fact that he is such a good blocker. And that's that's the good and the bad here is that Kyle Pitts is a decent enough blocker to stay on the field, but he's not so good. Similar to OJ Howard with the Cameron Brake breakout that er, for everybody wanted the breakout to be for OJ Howard. They kept asking him to block. I think Vernon Davis is a good comparison of just how dominant he could be in the past game. What was Vernon Davis's rookie season? Do you remember? Off the top of my head, I I hate to tell you, Jake, I do not. (laughs) Vernon Davis, rookie season. (laughs) Oh, he barely played in his rookie season. Even the second season wasn't that good. His best season wasn't until, well, I mean, it also was his best season overall, but his breakout season wasn't until year four at 25 when he had 965 yards and 13 touchdowns so i i think but i i know that the obviously look comparing 2021 nfl offenses to 2006 nfl offenses is completely <laughs> different especially with the way that the niners still played at the time it was still turn around hand the ball off to frank it Gore. was trent dilfer at the time don't forget <laughs> so what was it trent dilfer or garcia <laughs> Uh, it might have been Garcia for one of those years. The second or third year of Vernon Davis was Trent Dilfer and Alex Smith. Ooh, fun. So Good teams. That was back. Hold on, hold on, I can click on the year real quick. Here we go. Yeah, so, the, oh, my God, this one year. Two, so, 2007, yeah, was Trent Dilfer, Alex Smith. They went 1-5 and five and 2-5. and five. Sean Hill got two starts and went 2-0. and oh. The leading receiver, Arnez Battle. 600 yards and five touchdowns. Vernon Davis was second, and Daryl Jackson was... That's how bad this team was. Um, let's not besmirch Arnez Battle at all. Someone <laughs> in our fantasy league in like 2005 or 2006, 2007 range owned Arnez Battle. He also had a website called battlezone.com, which, had he have kept onto the URL, feels like it would actually be probably worth more than he ever got paid in his NFL career, but that was a hot fire site arnez battles battlezone.com it was awesome he had 600 and change the year before with the other antonio bryant and then yeah year three of vernon davis isaac bruce finally shows up at 36 years old and leads the team with 835 yards god these teams are bad i forgot about the fake antonio bryant there's no is there anyone so i said the other the other antonio bryant yeah but remember like fake ricky williams fake (laughs) steven jackson fake adrian peterson do we have any like fake players anymore because at least steve smith and steve smith the the other steve smith squiggy he was good for like a year and a half on the giants he was like an actual he also threw the metal initial yeah he threw the middle initial in there too that was the difference between them i'm trying to think oh I don't know if we have anybody to the, I don't think the closest we have, but it is Josh Allen on defense, but that's the other Josh. That's a completely, we're not talking for fantasy. We don't even know unless you play IDP. You don't know who the other Josh Allen is. Which sucks because that used to be the move in auction drafts. If you could ever pull it off, Nom- <laughs> the nom- <throw>. nominate <laughs> the fake version of the player for one buck and just see if anyone will go crazy. I did that with Kansas City, Stephen Jackson one year. It's like Stephen Jackson, three bucks. It's like 49 bucks for <laughs> Kansas City, Stephen Jackson. And then the guy like started crying in the room. I was like, well, maybe you should pay attention sometimes. Sucks to be you. <laughs> I have, I take, listen, some people will be like, oh, okay, like joke's on you. We'll, we'll run it back and give you your money back. Not in Pat Mayo's no. leagues. Not a chance. Pay fucking no. attention, pal. Get your head out of your ass. No. We do have like 17 Williams, but they all have different first names. So that's, I'm trying to think if there's anybody else. There's really not anybody anymore, unfortunately. See, this is what we talk about on the tight ends ranking shows. But I guess this is the most important part right now. <laughs> tier it's the other part. It, it's tier four and down. Like, if you're not going to take one of those six guys, in my mind, you wait till the final four rounds to take a tight end, right? Yes. That's, yeah, 100%. I don't even have a problem. I was helping somebody do their draft last night and saying that it, it's the very same thing. 
instead of jumping into tier three and overdrafting Fant or Robert Tanyan or something like that, it's just wait. And what I said is like, if you wait and get Jono or Irv, just double up late if you want, you know, double up one of those guys with a Gerald Everett or a Cole Komet or something like that. And then, you know, look at the, and it's usually because look at the wide receivers and the running backs on the board at that point anyway. They're often the guys that you're cutting in week one and super, super flyers. They're not even like the flyers that you want for the upside, which that's what your bench should be. So if you want to double down at tight end that late, I don't have a problem with it. I still probably just roll one, like even Irv Smith, I just roll one and just wait to see, you know, maybe. Austin Hooper finally becomes a thing again. Um, but if you wanted to go with two just to kind of play that route, either way, I'm with you and I'm waiting. So are you worried that Zach Ertz being alive still and yeah. running more routes yeah. is going to hurt Dallas Goddard here? Yeah, it didn't knock him out of this tier for me. But bumps um, him down for sure, right? That's because that's what it I did. So I initially had him the highest of this tier, and now I've dropped him down towards like the bottom. Now this tier only has like six names on it for me, and I think that like <laughs> here's six, the tier. I, it, it's one, it's two, Higby, three, Higby, Fant, Thomas, Goddard, Sticky, Gasicki. I had both of the Patriots guys in here, but they're like both hurt now. I don't know what the severity of it is, so I had to bump them down <laughs> to the bottom. And I was thinking about elevating Cole Komet, who actually seems like he's going to be a part of this Bears offense. Yeah, so you didn't say two names that I have in here. Uh, you don't have Tanya in this group. I had yeah. Tunyon and Ingram. I just had question marks next to that. Was there? Too. No, I don't. I don't have Ingram. I also have Irv Smith in this group, mostly because Conklin got hurt. Like, you know me, I, I've been the one that's like, don't ignore Conklin and don't ignore. I actually wrote a few weeks ago. It was ADPs that were too high. I don't remember what I called the article or whatever it might be, but Irv Smith was in there and it's like, I like Irv Smith. I've like Irv Smith since he's been drafted. He's Evan Ingram. He's a matchup problem in the passing game and not the best of the blockers, but that's what we want. But I said, you cannot ignore how much the Vikings run 12. They want two tight ends out there, and they kept using Conklin in the red zone and the end zone. Um, but with Conklin being banged up, that may be, ooh, okay. Similar to Janu is that because Hunter Henry has been so banged up and he could potentially miss time, uh, the Janu Smith is a low ankle sprain. It sounds like he should be ready for week one. I understand that if he's not, you got to bump him down too, but I, I'm okay with Janu according to the reports right now. But to get back to what you were saying, yeah, I initially had Goddard third. I had Fant, Higby, Goddard. I had him in front of Thomas and Tanyan and the rest. I moved him down still in this tier, but I moved him down to 11 now behind Thomas and Tanyan right there with Janu and Irv because they are now question marks. Uh, I was already somewhat concerned about the people for Goddard. Um, I said this on the podcast yesterday, Pat, and I actually tweeted out the video to give kind of the one minute summary of it is we do this in fantasy every year with players every single year. And what it is and what we get caught into this trap of is seeing the ceiling. We see the potential. We know the potential. And we sit there and like the reason I thought about this is because Rich Rebar is the one who tweeted and said, like, if we ran the team, you could go back to Lamar Miller, where everybody was pounding the table to give Lamar Miller more touches for the Dolphins. We see these ceilings and it's like, oh my God, think of what could happen if the team unleashed him. Zach Ertz is still there. there Goddard's not going to be unleashed until Zach Ertz is gone. If Zach Ertz gets traded, fine. Put, him, put Goddard back inside the top 10. But until that happens, we can't rank somebody because of what we want to happen. It's fair. So let's build this tier. Would you go Higby or Fant? I'm back to back. Uh, but the so, funny thing is, because of cost, I've been going Higby because he's he's still not going anywhere near Fant. So Fant, so here's how it's going after the top six. The top six are being drafted as the top six. It's then Goddard over the past four days, and again, this is in high stakes drafts, and that is over the course of. Do I have this right? No, that I have that set to February for this one. Let me go. 
go rectify that. I was like, that's that's still really high for him at this point. <laughs> yeah. Let's go wow. to submit. All right. So over the course of 32 drafts, it's Mark Andrews, then Fant 30 picks later. So Fant, Goddard, Logan Thomas are all going in the 90s. They're being drafted as a mini tier by themselves. Then it's Higby, Tunyon, Gesicki, Irv Smith, Jonu Smith as the tier of five. And then it's Evan Ingram, Troutman, Gronk, Hunter Henry, Cole Komet, Gerald Everett. They're just basically going either undrafted or in the very last round kind of thing. So I actually weirdly think that with Ryan Fitzpatrick and he's going to helm the Washington footballs again this year, I think that Logan Thomas is going to be good. And it's it's funny because we always talk about the young quarterback likes to rely on his tight end, which is probably a myth. It's just a thing that people say. It there's is. No, there's no yeah. real evidence yeah. to back this up. However... Ryan Fitzpatrick, I don't know if you know this, he went to Harvard. I think I'm breaking this news <laughs> to everyone out there. I don't think that they knew that. But he is, a, uh, <laughs> despite his play, I think that he likes smart players around him. And Logan Thomas being a former quarterback, I think that's going to be a really nice fit with Ryan Fitzpatrick. Knowing that they're on the same page. The yeah. other thing that's opening up this opportunity here is Curtis Samuel's not been on the field to be able to build rapport. Now, I'm not downplaying Curtis Samuel or saying Curtis Samuel is not going to be great to see him as the number two with the Washington team. But uh, as you said, the footballs, you were not, you only got one more year to say the footballs, Pat, unless you can convince them to name him that. What are they, what, um, what are they changing I, their name to? They haven't, no, they still haven't said that's next off season, but this is the last year they're using football team. So well, there just, you just go. go with, just go with the footballs. Yeah, let's say, hey, look, there was one that they're on their list of things were the football team. They, that could still be a possibility. There was logos thrown out there and everything. Um, but yeah, I, I'm with you on Logan Thomas and the fact that, you know, it, it's funny how these these situations ebb and flow is that Logan Thomas was, oh my God, what a fine last year. This offseason is like, all right, now we're overrating him because these are the deficiencies for Logan Thomas. And then it goes back up and it goes back down and it goes back. Hey, Logan Thomas, I'm with you, deserves to be top fringe top 10. That's a proper valuation. He's never really going to hit that tier with Mark Andrews. Although I think he could have, even with Fitzpatrick's, you know, you look at Fitzpatrick's history and doesn't throw to the running backs much, doesn't throw to his tight ends as much as his receivers, but that's because he's had some much better receivers than tight ends for many years. So if Logan Thomas is at least his number three, should still be a tight end one. Not even It shouldn't even be hard for him to do that. Would you go Gesicki or would you go Logan Thomas? Oh, Logan Thomas. I don't even have Gesicki in this tier. Okay. Would you go Tunyon or Logan Thomas? Thomas. Okay. Goddard or Logan Thomas? Thomas. All right, so it's Higby, Fant, Thomas. Those are like the next three on the list, essentially. Yeah, I <laughs> go right. Fant, Higby, Thomas, but I'm with you. Yeah. All right, so I actually like Gasicki and just more injuries to the offensive line in Miami. I think Tua's going to be throwing a ton, and I think that's just a very easy completion well, for him. No, so here's why. Well, that's why, but that's now Jalen Wild. So here's why. This is why I'm off Gasicki. And maybe they use him differently, and I'm wrong, but... This is where I went down the path of Gesicki. So Gesicki last year is the highest rate of tight ends running out of the slot. He was also, for those last five or six weeks, top five in opportunity share. We talk about it on your show. It's on the market share, the target share, the oppor- excuse me, the opportunities, everything like that. Gesicki was all that and still was just, what, barely inside the top 10 last year? And even, even if we want to say, okay, well, that's fine. He's still top 10. The problem is Jalen Waddell is going to be the slot option. He is going to force Gesicki back in line, which is where Gesicki struggled. Now, can Gesicki overcome that and maybe he develops more? Sure, 100% that could happen. But if you're going to tell me Fuller, Parker, 
and Waddle are healthy, which is also a big question. But if all three are healthy, this is a three-wide team now with Waddle in the slot, Gasicki in line. And I think that really hurts Gasicki. Okay, so I'm just going to put Higby, Fant, Thomas, and Tunyon all in Tier 4, and then we'll build a Tier 5. I got Gasicki, Dallas Goddard, Cole Komet, Irv Smith, and then the two Patriots guys and Evan Ingram. Mm, that's fine with me. Or we differ a little bit, but I'm okay with that. Would you have Henry or Janu up higher? Because it looks like Henry's shoulder is going to be okay. And like you said, it seems like Janu's ankle is going to be fine. Although, didn't he have an ankle injury last year too? Maybe his soft ankles. <laughs> He's just he gets banged up a lot. Uh, I would go Janu mostly because also better in the passing game, not by much. And he's but Henry's a little bit better in the blocking game. Again, not by much. Janu's actually a decent blocker for tight ends. It's just those little intricacies nudges Smith higher by about five or six spots at tight end for me because I just feel like he's going to be if healthy but for both of them is a big question I feel like he's going to be running more routes I go back to the OJ Howard Cameron Brait situation is OJ Howard such a good blocker we got so annoyed in fantasy watching Cameron Brait steal everything from him I think that's what we're going to see here I think Hunter Henry is going to be involved blocking more than John is and if these guys aren't your last round pick before like a kicker in defense don't bother reaching on any of these guys just wait for whoever's <laughs> left and just take one of them and hopefully it works out i have no i have no problem taking ingram that late like everybody's i understand he dealt with drops last year but go, for everybody that's out there the perception of what ingram did last year is way lower than what he really did he was one of three maybe four tight ends that had over 100 targets and he had the yards he just didn't have touchdowns and that's partly because of daniel jones and the quarterback play Granted, you could say, well, more weapons, more opportunities, less of a target. He still had over 100 targets last year. He catches a few more. Eric Ebron, we used to crap on him every single year for his hands. These things can change year to year, even without improvement from their player themselves. So you have Ingram get close to last year and get to four or five touchdowns, and he's going to be pushing the tight end one tier again. So everyone else is going to be on tier six. That includes like, are you a Troutman guy? Because I'm not. I was, and I, from a pure matchup problem, I am for everybody like wants to poo-poo him and be like, oh, he ran a 4.8. The dude is 6'4", 6'5", 250. If I could run a 4.8, I can't run a 4.8 at my size. I wish I could run a 4.8 at his size. Get, a, get the hell out of here. He is a matchup problem in the receiving game. The problem for Troutman is he's also being used as a blocker, and we saw in week one. Now, we still have week two and three of the preseason to go, but... This comes back to it. If you want tight ends, well, in fantasy, Pat, we want volume. Well, at tight end, if you're not running routes, you're inherently ruining your volume. So if he's going to be asked to block 50% of the time, you have to be off him, no matter the fact that it looks like the opportunity would be there to potentially be the second or third receiver. He won't be if he's blocking that much. So the other guys, let's see, Gronk. Everett, mm. Ferkser, Ertz, Jarwin, Ebron, Cook. Do you have a, any rumors to this uh, Donald Parham, Feinberg's buddy, <laughs> actually being good? Or is that just like the internet wants it? It's the new Jake Cummerow. Uh, it's probably that. Don't forget they brought in the, the, the dreaded Jared Cook that we hate. Oh, yes. He's now there, too. Oh, yeah. I'm yeah. not drafting him. So he's... <laughs> so he's completely they like that's just another that's a timeshare tight end situation from somebody who's also inherently a timeshare himself during the season the jared cook so now uh, i don't want anything there mostly because how much are they going to use the tight end anyway you have keenan allen austin eckler mike williams and they love joshua palmer who could get right past uh tyron johnson and um jalen guyton 
already. They might be running a decent amount of three wide, too. So, no, I'm not in on Parham. All right. Those are the tight end rankings. I don't want to belabor the point on this. You can find the top 150 <laughs> and all of the other position ranking tiers down in the description. Wait, oh, wait, you don't want to belabor it. Hold on. I got one for you. You didn't mention Secret of the Uzma. Yeah, I mean, do we even know that he's ahead of Drew Sample in the depth chart in Cincinnati? <laughs> I don't know. I just wanted to bring it up because I still think that's one of your best nicknames you ever had. I feel like we're getting so old that people just don't get that anymore. The Secret of the Uzma? Yeah. I don't know. They're bringing back like what, like uh, Seth Rogen's high and writing a script for their new one, so they might. All right. Smoke some weed. Enjoy some Foot Clan. There we go. We'll be well on our way with some TMNT. Although every time I see the U.S. men's national soccer team written out, I always think it's Ninja Turtles. I feel like that's Thank not a, you. Yeah, like every time I'm like, it's not just you. Just like, why the fuck are people talking about Ninja Turtles? This is weird. That's, I should have wore that shirt today. There we are, Jake Sealy. Follow him on Twitter at AllInKid. Check him out at theathletic.com. And hey, he has a brand new show three times a week over on the Bets TV YouTube channel, which you can watch live. What are the days of the week? Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Mondays with Meanie. It's the recap show. Well, once the season starts, Tuesdays are with Steph Smalls. That's going to be the waiver show. And then Wednesdays with Jeff Ratcliffe for the ranking show. So a day behind your schedule so you don't have to worry about repeating the same day. Well, that's good because I think that Meanie's going to be on my recap show too. <laughs> Oh, well, the meeting's going to get very exhausted about talking about the same things. Well, he'll, be, he'll put it this way. He'll be warmed up for you on Mondays, uh, but I still haven't worked okay, out the finalization of my schedule yet. So, hey. Well, wait, I, he might be warmed up for you. What time is your show? Sunday night at like. Oh, OK. Some, I thought sometime. I thought it was Mondays. No, I was going to okay. record it during the Sunday night football game. That was my angle this year. Okay, nice. Smart. Then it's, then it's just hey. out. Then it's out into the ether. It's out into the world. People can enjoy because I like listening to podcasts. I'm like all wired from football all day, even though I wake up at like 5 a.m. <laughs> that after the final game, like I'd like to listen to some reaction from the day and, and maybe I can provide that. All right. Well, if you're too busy with Sunday night football, don't be listen to Pat and then you can you can listen to it in the morning when you first wake up and then at 10 a.m. Then tune in to me doing the same thing all over again with me. There you go. Jake Sealy at All In Kid. Remember to smash the like button for the video. Give me your favorite of these low and tight ends. Check everything out in the description. And if you like free money, I know I just gave away the winners, but hey, there's always new stuff in the Mayo Media newsletter, exclusive content, exclusive stats, discounts on a bunch of stuff. So hit the description and go subscribe to that right now. It's completely free. So think about how many fucking email lists you're on already. You might as well join another one. At least this one has real content in it and it's not spam. So please help us out there and run the slash Mayo. will get you a discount on all of the tools that you need to succeed this season. Sub to the network as well. I'm Pat Mayo. I'll see you next time. Mayo experience. It's the Pat Mayo experience. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, the trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. 
Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.